1: it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again yes. by a yoke of slavery. Do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Fear is a lie. Yes. It's a lie that you are believing. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, if you let yourself put on outer things to save you, outer things to lift you up, outer things to say, I am good enough. I am good enough, God. Look at me. I do right. Look at all I've done. If you put on outer things, Christ will be of no value to you at
0: all. Mm -hmm.
1: Wow. Do not, do not, do not set aside what he has done. He has done our good works, our good Anything is nothing. Our best is filth to him. That's right. It's filth. Our best is nothing. It is him. It is all him. And in that, we are free.
0: Amen. We are free. Amen.
1: We are free. Amen. He created you to be you. He created you to be you. Yes. Not to be me. That's right. Not to be who you think I am. Mm. Talk to my children if you think you know who I am. (laughs) He created you to be you. Mm. And you are free. That's right. You are free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Worship you, Father. Thank you. Mm. Church, let's just worship for a minute, please. Just lift up your voice to him. Thank him for what he's done. We worship you. 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 Mm. We worship you. Heavenly Father, we speak now to the spirit of fear. And say, it must go in the name of Jesus. It must go in the name of Jesus. That spirit of fear must flee now at the sound of my voice. In everyone's life, now it has to go in the name of Jesus. For your word says we are no longer slaves to fear. We are no longer slaves to fear. You have given us a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. And a sound mind. We will no longer be plagued by fear anymore in the name of Jesus. Fear must go at the sound of your name, sickness must go at the sound of your name. Relationships are restored at the sound of your name. The beautiful sound of your name. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Thank you. Therefore, thus says the Lord Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation. A stone for a foundation. A tried stone. A precious cornerstone. A sure foundation. And whoever believes will not act hastily. For he is the sure foundation. The Lord showed me a vision this morning of that cornerstone being Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Each and every one of us must be intentional about placing that cornerstone where it belongs, which is the very first brick that is laid when you're building. It's the first one. It's the cornerstone. It's which every other brick is laid is based on where that cornerstone sits. And so this morning, church, I'm encouraging you to put that cornerstone where it needs to be. Where it needs to be in that place, that strong foundation where everything else in your life is based off of. Everything else gets measured and aligned to that. And church, when that foundation, that cornerstone is not in the right place, things begin to crumble. Winds begin to blow. Waves begin to come. And we're shaken. This is not to say that life is not difficult, but when we have that cornerstone in its right place, we can stand on the fact that we are standing on a firm foundation we can stand on the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to die for our sins and raised from the dead, is sitting at that cornerstone of our foundation. And she'll bring us comfort and peace. And thus we no longer have to fear. We no longer have to fear because Jesus is in that rightful place in our lives.
1: As we were worshiping... I keep trying. Some mornings, I think, socks. Last week it was socks. Lord, I can't go up there and talk about socks. So this week I tried to not talk about this. I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> talked about a cornerstone. He showed me a jigsaw puzzle. Mm. And I'm trying. God, I'm trying. I'm trying to put the pieces in place. I'm trying to put the pieces in place, and I've read your word, and I'm being led, and I have this piece, and it goes here, and I put the pieces in place, and have you ever tried to move a puzzle? Have you ever tried to move a puzzle, and you you try really hard to get something firm under it, and you're just moving it from this place to this place, and it's just a mess. It's a mess every time, and the Lord said, you think you know the picture. You don't know the picture. Mm -hmm. I know the picture, and when when I place a piece, it doesn't ever move. And that glue, the, the puzzle lovers, there's glue and they put the puzzle and then they glue it and it never comes apart. And they mount it on their walls. When he puts the puzzles pieces into place, they are immovable. Amen. They are immovable. And here I am trying to tell him, Mm. trying to to say, but no, this scripture says this, and so this piece must go here. It's my own, that's that's my own thinking. That's my own thoughts. And his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. His ways are better. And he knows the picture. And I do not. And my puzzle crumbles every Friday.
0: (laughs) <laughs>
1: every Friday my puzzle crumbles every Saturday I crumble every Saturday night I say God I'm here and you're here and every Sunday I'm blown away by who he is
0: amen, amen. he knows
1: the picture he amen. builds the puzzle he builds my puzzle Amen. thank you
0: Jesus Heavenly Father we just worship you Lord we thank you for who you are We thank you for what you've done. We thank you that you are the great cornerstone. We thank you that every piece that you place in our puzzle of life, when you place it, is placed firmly in its spot. Father, even this morning, I pray that you are revealing the picture that you want us to put together for our lives. Father, speak to us this morning. Where we should go, what we should do, Begin to clarify that puzzle and put those pieces in place. It will not be by our work or by our toil, but by your precious word. And we worship you for it this morning. Thank you for being here with us this morning. We invite you into the rest of this service. Lives being changed. We invite you here. We invite you here. We worship you. We praise you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful time of worship. We're service a little bit different today. I want you guys just to hang out, grab somebody, say hello, and uh, greet somebody. Say, God is good all the time. Also, middle schoolers, you are dismissed right now as opposed to after announcements. Middle schoolers, you are dismissed. All right. I'm very much looking forward to that next week, starting next week, having our kids with us. Three and up. Just three and up. OK, Just clarifying. Two and two and under, they can go to the nursery, although you can bring them here if you want. Amen. All right, are you guys ready to continue to worship the Lord with our giving? Amen. Ushers, if you want to get ready to wait on the people, if you need an envelope and you didn't get one, just go ahead and slip up your hand and uh, one of the ushers will will come and serve you. Scripture verse this morning for for offering comes out of 2 Corinthians 9. And a lot of us know this verse, and the Lord just kind of ministered to me a little bit uh, regarding this verse uh, yesterday. It says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. You know, as a church, we believe in being generous with our time, our talents, and our money. And unfortunately, this world is full of very wealthy people who have no joy, who have no peace, who have no love. And all the money in the world, they will realize, cannot buy any of those things. And it's only temporary. And what the Lord is beginning to showing me is that when you sow sparingly in love, when you sow sparingly in peace, in creating peace in your life, you actually reap that same harvest. This is not just talking about finances. I'm not just talking about money. But he who sows bountifully will also reap Bountifully. So what this means is the opposite is also true. So when we begin to pour love, when we begin to pour peace, when we begin to pour some of that fruit of the Spirit into areas of our life, we also begin to reap that more and more and more. And it's like this cycle that keeps happening over and over and over. The more we sow it, the more we reap it. And yes, it goes along with finances. The more we sow our seed financially into God's kingdom, the more we reap. But it's so much more than just finances. The Lord's saying, when we sow abundantly, we shall reap abundantly in every area of our life. So verse 7 then says, so let us each give as one purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what God's telling us here is, whatever he's leading you to give, don't be annoyed when you give. Don't be frustrated when you give. Honestly, the Lord doesn't want that. He doesn't want it. He wants us to be cheerful in our giving. Ask the Lord, what is it that you want me to give? What is it that you want me to give back to your kingdom? Don't do it because Bas- Pastor Jason comes up here and starts saying, do it. What is God telling you to do? We need to get the revelation in our heart, and then we need to realize that we give in order to bless, not in order to receive. We give in order to bless, not to receive. And what happens when we do that, when we get our mind set on that says verse 8, and then God what happens? God is able to make all grace abound toward you. All grace abound towards you. Everything that you need in your life. When we give cheerfully, when we sow abundantly into those things, then God in turn opens the floodgates of heaven and says, here, all these things now I have provided for you. All the grace that you need. That you Always having all sufficiency in all things. How many all's are in there? All grace abound towards you that you have all sufficiency in all things that you may have abundance for every good work. How many of you want abundance for every good work? Sufficiency in all things. Amen? Let us give this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. We come to you. We give of our time, our talents, our finances, we do it with a cheerful, joyful heart. We do it, Heavenly Father, to honor you, to worship you, to glorify you. We do this not grudgingly, but we do it with a cheerful heart. And we worship you as you are the one who provides all things for every good work that you have prepared for us. And we worship you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers. Hallelujah. Woo. I'm fired up. Amen. Anybody else fired up? Yeah. All right. Amen. I love it. You guys ready to hear the word of God this morning? Yeah. Oh, ooh, I like this. I like it. I got an interactive congregation today. Actually mostly every week. That's good. I love it. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father. Oh, yes, thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. Thank you for sending him to this earth. Oh, thank you for everything that Jesus has done for us. Lord, may we not forget each and every day as we go from this place later today, as we go to work tomorrow, as we go to school or wherever we go, Let us not forget what you have done for us. We love you. We worship you. Father, as we hear your word this morning, that you truly will open our eyes. Father, I pray for revelation truth, for illumination. Father, we pray for illumination this morning of your word and what it means and how we can live and how we can love. We thank you for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, we are doing a series, and the series is called Provision and Harvest. And if you haven't heard, this is a word that was given, uh, really was in our heart and in our spirit, and we didn't have words to put to it. And then Brother Paul, welcome back from Florida, Luana as well. He gave a word to us at a, at a lunch after church. This was back in October. And he just looked at us with tears in his eyes and he said, provision and harvest is the word for this church. And it just, I mean, I mean we just all started breaking down, crying, there's a bunch of tears going on. I don't even remember what we were eating or what we were doing or what we were talking about. But from that point forth, this could all I could think about. All I could say, all I could even just, it just was resonating with me. Everywhere I went, everyone I talked to, every staff member, it was like provision and harvest, provision and harvest. We got staff members putting it as their sign, you know, like your email signature at the end. It's provision and harvest. And the more we said it, the more I was like, we just need to, we need to dig into this. We need to dig into this more and more. What does this mean for us? And as a church, what I believe, it means a couple different things is one, this church is going to reach a million souls for Jesus Christ. This church is going to reach a million souls for Jesus Christ. And each and every one of you is a part of that. And each and every one of you needs to have the provision on your life in order to reach the harvest that God is calling you to reach. And so this is, it all ties together. This is why provision and harvest is so important because it's the Heavenly Father, our Lord and God providing everything we need for the journey that we are on. Amen. Provision is that, it's everything you need for the journey that you're on. And each and every one of us are on some journey, a different kind of journey. My journey is different than your journey, but that doesn't make my journey any better than yours. And it doesn't mean that my journey somehow gets more provision than your journey. No, 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 no. All sufficiency for all things, for every one of us who have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. So you can't look at me and say, oh, well, you know, that's Pastor Jason. Well, he must, he gets the provision. What? Well, yes, I do. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. But that doesn't exclude you from it. It does not exclude you from it. The provision is available to each and every one of us. For what purpose? So we can live a life of luxury? No. So we can drive the best, fanciest cars and live in the biggest mansions? No. Now, if he provides that for us, hallelujah, praise God. But he also is providing that to see the harvest of souls. For his kingdom. It is what he's concerned about. What is the will of God? What is the will of God? That none shall perish. That's his will. So if we're calling, uh, Pastor Doug said it, the prayer in Matthew 6, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done on earth. What is his will? That none should perish. What is his will? That we all have everything that we need for life and godliness. What is his will? His will is that we have all sufficiency in all things. That is his will. His will is for marriages to be strong and to be healthy. His will is that bills will be paid in the name of Jesus. That is his will. And we are calling forth when we pray heaven to this earth. And we're calling forth that provision for the harvest, because the harvest of souls is what he is, and that is what he cares about. His will is that none should perish. So if you know somebody that you're not 100% sure, and if you think they might die, and they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, then they're on your journey. They've been placed in front of you for a reason and you need to talk to them. It doesn't Okay, invite them to church, but that's not the only thing. Talk to them, understand them, love on them. Show them the grace of God. Show them that you truly care. Show them the heart of the Father. And they will open up to you and they will give you opportunities to reach them with a gospel message. I personally don't care if they come to this church or go to First Alliance or go to First Assembly. It doesn't matter to me. It is not about the church. It's not about Erie Christian Fellowship Church being better than any other church. We're not. We're just following what Jesus is calling us to go do. So this is our journey. So we're going to have provision and harvest for our journey at ECF. You will have provision and harvest for your journey in your life. And this is what's exciting. This is what God has in store for us. This is why this word is so good. The Lord also had spoke to me a couple weeks ago and said, this ministry will be marked by miracles. Amen. This ministry will be marked by miracles. He said, what, what, what do you mean miracle? What kind of miracles? I'm talking about all kinds of miracles. This ministry will be marked by miracles. Well, last week, last week the Lord gave me a word before church. And now whoever was here may have heard it. And I said that the Lord wants to heal somebody's elbow. You guys remember that? Anybody here for that? Okay. Well, guess what? The Lord supernaturally healed somebody's elbow. And I amen, give God a hand. I've asked Justin. Justin, are you here? Do I see you? Where are you? This is the man that God has healed, and he's got a little testimony he wants to share with us this morning.
2: All right, um, well, quick backstory. Um, I was in the Army for six years. I joined right out of high school, in, um, or about a year after high school, 2006. Um, and w- when I joined, it was kind of at the end of the war in Iraq and the beginning of the war in Afghanistan. So I was lucky enough to be part of both of those. Um, my, my, first, my first tour came and went with, I mean, normal, normal stuff. One would expect my second one, though. Um, I got put into a unit that ba- I basically just took all the missions. Every time a mission came down, it, it came to my unit, um, and it got a little dangerous sometimes, and we lost a lot of people. But one of the missions uh, it was 2011, um, halfway through the mission, we started taking fire. I was transporting a tank on the back of my trailer. And the tanker that was riding with me said, hey, let me down. (laughs) I'm going to go handle business. So I went and uh, I was trying to break the chains off of his his tank. And he jumped in a little sooner than he should have and turned the tank on. And I don't know if anybody knows anything about that type of thing. But there is probably 650 degrees of heat that comes out of these exhaust vents on the tank. And... In the tank training, they'll show you by taking dog tags and placing them there. They'll turn the tank on, and those dog tags will melt. And that's kind of your, hey, stay away from these vents <laughs> when it's on type of thing. Uh, he turned them on, and all of the exhaust smoke um, filled the entire trailer. And between that and taking the fire we were taking, I dove off the side of the trailer, and I shattered my arm. Um, I shattered, I, like... It kind of came out of where it was supposed to be, and the elbow was in three different kind of chunks, with some smaller ones in there. Um, yeah, it was it was it was rough. Uh, I I also received what's called traumatic brain injury, and that's just like an accumulation of too many concussions, really. Um, nerve damage to my teeth, etc. And that was it for me. I thought that I had you know dislocated my, my dislocated my arm or whatever, and just pop it back in and continue. And they said, "No, you, you're leaving country." And they medevaced me to Germany, um, sent me back to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, where I opted out of surgery because they told me, 50 50, it might help, but it might." make it worse putting pins and rods in there not to mention there's probably a six or seven inch scar that would go through my tattoos that i <laughs> that i've been collecting so I, I decided not to take the surgery and Priorities. just kind of live with whatever whatever the healing was going to be um that was in 20 2012 i got out and every day since my cast came off on a pain scale of 1 to 10, I've been at a 5 or a 6 constantly. Um, to the point where it's, uh, it, it was just an accepted fact of my life, this dull, aching pain on my arm forever. Um, I couldn't work out because it, doing push-ups or pull-ups or anything like that, it, while it didn't make it hurt more, it was nauseating because it would click. And if you know, if this broken a bone or something, that's you know, it's not a good feeling. but I just was dealing with it and just ignored it and never really went after he- getting it healed or anything like that. Um, last week, <laughs> Pastor Jason said the most random <laughs> spot, one of them I mean, he, he could have, he might as well have said somebody has an ingrown hair behind their ear, right Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was, and as soon as he said elbow pain my my heart moved in a, in a way that it hasn't and I knew he was talking about me and so I looked down and I was kind of trying to feel for the pain so I could yeah that's me there wasn't it. It was Hallelujah. Like, and it's it doesn't click anymore it's completely it's, my other arm hurts worse <laughs> um, let's pray for you yeah, yeah too, why not um, but I would like to say, too, that this is, this is a bigger deal for me than what would normally be because I don't want to say that I doubted mm. the, the, the miraculous healing because I know, I know God's capable and I know that it has happened. It's just that I was weary because I have seen a mm. lot of false mm. teachings and I've seen a lot of people pretending to heal and pretending to be healed. And so it was always kind of take it with a grain of salt. But I'm telling you, when as soon as soon as I realized that it was it was me, I couldn't even I, I couldn't even find the pain anymore. hallelujah! It, it's gone. <clears throat> it's been a week. Every day I wake up waiting for it to hurt, and it, it doesn't. It's praise it's the pra- Lord, praise God, and that's 100 percent Jesus all the way.
0: Amen. Hallelujah. Give him a hand, man. Yeah,
2: take it, take it,
0: take it. Amen. We serve a miracle-working God. And when he calls this church will be marked by miracles, this is what I'm talking about. Can we get around to that? Can we, can we get excited about that? Hallelujah. The Lord said this kind of stuff is going to cause traffic jams, so we need to get ready. Amen? Amen. So you ready to hear the word of God? Because we're going to build our faith up. We're going to build our faith up. Let's go to Luke uh, chapter 5. We started here last week, I've actually been kind of jumping around Luke chapter 5 for a little bit, I can't seem to get through it (laughs) all the way, it's a big chapter, but it's in regards to provision and harvest, and what I want to talk about this morning, and what I want to show you in the word of God, that he has that provision and harvest for every area of our life, and last week we talked about uh, what provision was. That provision, it comes through the anointing. And when the anointing comes, it comes with abundant dunamis power to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. You say, Pastor, what, what what is dunamis power? What does it mean? What does it mean? It means for believers to be witnesses for Jesus Christ to the lost. That is one portion of what dunamis power means. Provision and harvest. The power needed, the provision needed to see the harvest. That's what that Greek word, when we see power in the Bible, that's what it's talking about. There's three different Greek words for power. Dunamis is one of them. And this is what it means. It means that power that allows us to reach the lost. It's the healing power resident in Jesus Christ. And it's the power given to the disciples to heal diseases in the context of proclaiming the kingdom of God. This dunamis power is available to each and every one of us for the journey that we are on. And we need to receive that this morning. We need to receive and understand what that is. He wants to show himself for who he is, good, faithful, and loving. He will do this by performing miracles in our midst. And he has said this church will be marked by miracles. And what are those miracles going to do? I've said this a couple of times. They're going to arrest the attention of the unbeliever. They will arrest the attention. You cannot come. You can't talk to Justin anymore and say, oh, well, there's not a God. Well, well, you can't talk to him, you can't hear that story and say there's not a God. You can only say that he's lying to us, but I can assure you that he's not lying. That's the only, that's the, you, don't, that's, you have two options. You have two options. And I can tell you based on the word of God as we study it and we read it, it's, it's God who does the healing. It's proven over and over and over again. We're looking at the ministry of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same yesterday. We're reading about yesterday. He performed miracles that are written and documented in the Bible. That was yesterday for all intents and purposes. But he's the same yesterday. and means he's the same today. So church, the same healing power, the same saving grace power, the same abundant dunamis power is available to us today. And guess what? It's available for you tomorrow. Just because it's Monday doesn't mean that, oh, well, it's Monday now. Everything's going to be different. No, no, no. It doesn't have to be different. The same power is available. The same provision is available for you tomorrow and today as it was yesterday. And if this is yesterday, what we're reading in Luke 5, then that means it's available today. The same thing. So I started at the beginning of the chapter last week. I'm not going to go back through it. But what we talked about is there were some fishermen, and Jesus was there beginning to teach the multitudes. And what he asked to do is he got in Simon's boat. He got into the boat, and he asked Simon to back him a little bit off the shore. And what Jesus knew at the time is that that helps his voice project so that everybody could hear him. He didn't have the luxury of this microphone like I do. And after he was done teaching the people, he asked Simon to take the boat and go a little bit further out in the lake. Go a little bit further. You see, when Jesus is in our boat, he begins to direct and to guide where he wants that boat to go. He begins to direct and provide where we need to go. And you notice what Simon said. Simon said, whoa, 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 no, no, no. We're not going to throw our nets down. We're not going to catch any fish. We've done that. We worked all night doing that. We caught absolutely nothing. Nothing. We didn't catch anything. And Jesus says, well, no, put it down. Because what's the difference between what he was trying last night and what he's now about to go do? Jesus is in the boat. Last night, Jesus wasn't in the boat. And so we, what we talk about last night, we have to invite Jesus into our boat. We have to invite that cornerstone into our life, into our boat. Because the only way that we catch the fish without toiling on our own is when Jesus is in the boat. Because he provides everything that we need. It's not our own work. It's not our own toil. So he moved that boat. He said, go a little deeper. And what did they do? They caught a harvest. Their nets were filled with fish. Every financial need that they had was met immediately. Not on their own strength all last night, but immediately it was met when Jesus was in the boat. We have to invite Jesus into our boat. And I love what happened there, this is right where we left off, is that, so it's in verse 10, it says, from now on you will catch men, verse 11, so then, so when they had brought their notes to the land, they forsook all and followed him. So I love, this is where we left off last week, is they have all this fish available, all the financial provision that they could possibly need, and they left it all there. And they said, I'm going to go with Jesus wherever he goes, because guess what? Wherever Jesus goes, I have all of the financial provision that I ever need. I don't have to sit here and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. no, I'm going to, Jesus, you go. I got this right here. I'm going to protect this. I'm going to, this is all mine. This is all mine. Thank you. No, they said, it doesn't matter. Let's give it to somebody else. The provision is coming. If Jesus says, go over here, I'm going to go over here. And the provision will be here. If he says go over here, then I'm going to go over here. And the provision is going to, I don't have to hold on to the past. I don't have to hold on to the provision that was from yesterday. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the provision that I need for today is available today. So invite him into the boat and say, Jesus, take me where you want to take me. I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to go do. And they did that. The disciples did that. So let me pick up on verse 12. And it happened that he was in a certain city, so Jesus in a certain city, that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. Now, first of all, we're talking about there was a financial provision. Now we want to talk about the physical and the healing provision that's available to us. There was a man who was full of leprosy. He saw Jesus. This man was in need. He had an issue, but guess what? He saw him. He saw him with his eyes. His head was up. His eyes were open, and he saw Jesus. He was looking for Jesus. You see, church, Jesus is. He's ready to be in our boat. We have to invite him. And so many of us are going around saying, "I don't know where Jesus is. I can't find." He's right in front of you. We have to open our eyes. We have to look to him and say, Jesus, you're right in front of me. Do what you're going to do in my life. I'm committing my life to you. So this guy saw him. His eyes were open. His head was up. He was looking for Jesus. You know, one of our daughters, this is a funny story. One of our daughters, Noel, uh, she is just turned four. And uh, she is like a butterfly. And she is floating around all the time. And everywhere she goes, she's just floating around, smiling and happy, and literally her eyes are open, but we wonder <laughs> if she actually is seeing where she's going sometimes, okay? I'm talking about, like, she's, like, walks into stuff. Like, yes, or two days ago, she was upstairs in the hallway, and she was backing up, and there was, like, a laundry basket be- be- behind her. No idea. Just walked, boom, tch, flipped right into the laundry basket. Feet go up in the air, We're like, Noel, what's going on? You know, so we can walk around physically with our eyes open, but we're not seeing Jesus who is right in front of us. He promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. So if he never left you and he never forsake you, it shouldn't be that hard to look around and find him. We just have to open our eyes and actually see that Jesus is available to us today. He's right there, and this is what this guy did. This guy had leprosy, and so he fell on his face, and he implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. If you are willing. He's not 100% sure. If you're willing, make me clean. But what he was sure about is if Jesus was willing, it can happen. He said, look at that. He said, if you're willing, make me clean. So go ahead and do it if you're willing. But what do we say earlier? Hold on a second. He is willing. He is willing. This is the will of God for our lives. is to see healing and supernatural miracles occur in our lives. He is willing. We prove that. So this guy is just getting this revelation. He knows that Jesus can do it. He's seen Jesus can do it. He's heard the miracles. He's heard the testimonies. This is why he's looking for Jesus. This is why we need to be looking for Jesus. Every one of us, every day of our lives, we need to be looking for Jesus. This guy asked the question, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He didn't know about God's willingness, but he knew that he could do it. And what did Jesus do? Verse 13. And he put his hand out and touched him, saying, I am willing. I am willing. Be cleansed. This is the heart of the Father. This is the provision that we need in our physical bodies. He is willing to heal us supernaturally. He is willing to lead us and guide us and direct us by the Holy Spirit of what to do for a medical issue that happens in our life. He is there. He's available. He's willing to do that. And then what did Jesus do? Jesus reached out and touched this guy. He touched him. You say, but the guy in leprosy, you're not supposed to touch someone that has leprosy. This guy's not even supposed to be here. His life is in a mess. He can't get a job. He probably doesn't have a wife. I mean, who, who's going to be married to someone who's got leprosy? He probably said, you know, will you marry me? And the process? no. I don't want leprosy. And he said, I mean, this is what happened. These people, they had a terrible life. But he sought after. He said, you know what? I need a miracle. I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus to change everything. When Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. And he knew he had to find this Jesus. He heard about him, but he had to find him. And he looked for him, and he searched for him, and then he asked him, are you willing? And Jesus says, yes, I'm willing. And he reached out and he touched him. Oh, he touched him. Wait a second. You mean my sin, my dirtiness, my filth, my problems, Jesus is still going to reach out and touch me? You're darn right that he is. He's not afraid of your problem. Your sin isn't too big for him. It's like, well, Pastor Jake, you have no idea what I do. You know what? God already knows anyway. He wants to forgive you. He loves you. It's not too big for him. He wants to do it. He was willing to touch the ugliest parts of our lives. He is willing to reach out and touch the ugliest parts of our life. And what happened when he did that? Immediately the leprosy left him. He spoke to it. He said, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. God's healing power is here today. It's available today. And then he charged him to go tell no one. But go show yourself to the priest. And make an offering for your cleansing. As a testimony to them just as Moses commanded. He said, tell no one, but go and show. Go and show. You know, church family, I think of this from a parenting perspective as well. And even in our marriages. We can say all we want. Oh, yes, I love you, honey. I love you. I care about you. I love. You. We can say it all we want. But unless we go and we show the people that we love, that we truly care about them, that we truly love them, that we try to understand them and say, how can I better show you love? How can I do that as a husband? We have to go and show. This is what Jesus is commanding us. Just don't go talking about it. Go and show. Go and show what God has done. Go and show what God is doing in our lives. Same holds true for our children. We have to show them that we love them. We have to show it. Verse 15, However, the report went around concerning him, All the more. And great multitudes came to hear him, and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Verse 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. What a beautiful, beautiful example. Multitudes of people are coming to get healed by Jesus. And what does he go do? He goes off and prays. Because what he realizes that we need to understand and realize that he can be led by the Holy Spirit of what to do, who to pray for, and where to go. It's the difference between a good idea and a God idea. There's a lot of good ideas. Jesus could have went a lot of different places and done a lot of different things, but he was on God's path. He was on God's journey. Because the provision and harvest that God wanted to happen, he was attuned to. And we as a church, we as family... We as believers need to do the same thing. We need to take that time and get away and pray and say, Holy Spirit, teach me, show me, where do I need to go? What do I need to do? There's so many good ideas out there, but I need you to show me where to go. We need to invite him in so he can be Lord of our lives. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us, to get in that boat and show us where to go. Verse 17 says, Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. You see, he was teaching. This is a model of Jesus' ministry. He was teaching. And it says in the next verses, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to save them from their sins. It was available. It's available today. Just as it was in the story that we're reading in the Bible. It's available today. Then behold, men brought On a bed, a man who was paralyzed, this is verse 18, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. They sought Jesus. They were looking for Jesus. They said, I need Jesus in my boat. I can't help my friend, but Jesus can help my friend. I can't do this on my own, but Jesus can do this for me. And I am going to seek him. I'm going to look for him. I'm going to find him. I'm going to do whatever it takes to go find Jesus for my life. And when they could not find out how they might bring him in because of the crowd, traffic jam, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Church, you see, these friends were not deterred by a little challenge. That was, that's a challenge. Come on, you got some guy who's like, you know, weight. You're trying to pick him up and move him around. You got to climb up a roof. You got to get open over the roof. He's probably going to move some tiles around. I don't know what the roofs looked like back then. It's probably not shingled like it is today. But they had to make a space. They, had, they were doing what they had to do. They were seeking Jesus. They were seeking Jesus. They were doing everything that they needed to go do to find him. And they weren't deterred by a little challenge. You know, we have an enemy church, and the enemy will bring challenges in our life to try to deter us from finding Jesus in every area of our life. It could be generational issues. It could be issues of sin. It could be all kinds of issues, and he has a foothold on that. And he is trying to stop you from finding Jesus in every area of your life. Because when we find Jesus in every area of our life, miracles happen. All sufficiency, all things for our life. They were not deterred by this challenge. What happened? When when he, Jesus, saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. The very first thing when we see Jesus, he says, Your sins are forgiven You see, church, the purpose of Jesus coming to this earth, the Son of God coming down as a man to walk on this earth, to die a horrible death, to be beaten and hung on a cross for my sins, for your sins, and then defeated the grave and rose again for you and for me. This is what Jesus did for us. He has done everything so we can live for eternity with Him. That's all I need. Thank you, Jesus. Yet all the more, He also has come to heal us and to provide for us and to take care of us. Are you kidding me? It's like the best package deal you could ever find. I can't Google a better vacation package than that. Like, how do I get the best vacation package ever? Let me tell you what the best package ever is. It's Jesus Christ. Our Lord and Savior is the best package deal. It's the package deal. It's everything that we need. Power in that name. He said, man, your sins are forgiven. You see, the same power that's available to forgive is also available to heal. Church, it's the same power. We believe, well, I believe in Jesus, that He saved me from my sins. Actually, that's even a greater thing to believe in than think that He can't heal my elbow of some pain. It's a a bigger miracle to think that He's going to save me from all eternity and I get to live with Him in this place called heaven in worship and joy with Him forever. That's the greatest miracle of all. What's this little elbow that I need healed? Are you kidding me? But we believe in that, but we don't believe that he can heal us sometimes. Like, go, oh, come on, church. What he's done for us is amazing. Verse 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Oh, but Jesus perceived their thoughts. Church, he already knows what you're thinking. He already knows what's going on inside your head, man. He already knows. He perceives your thoughts. He knows what's going on. So take it, you're not going to shock Jesus when you say, Jesus, I'm struggling with this sin. He's not going to be like, well, what? What? I had no idea you were having trouble with lust. Well, totally blew me away. No, he knows. He understands. He wants you to come to him. He wants that relationship with you. He wants to say, I forgive you, Son. Repent of your sins. Turn away from your sins. He wants to heal our lives. Not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Everything provided is available to us. It's all available. And the best package ever. Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus perceived their thoughts and he answered them saying, "Why are you reasoning in your hearts, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? But you may know that the Son of man has power on earth to forgive sins." And he said to this man who was paralyzed, he said, "Arise, take up your bed and go to your house." Jesus was messing with religion. We get so torqued up about religion. Jesus is my religion. It's everything that I need. Jesus is available to each and every one of you. You might be here this morning and say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. But now you do. And now the choice is yours. And now you have an opportunity to say, I am going to choose Jesus to get in my boat. Or I'm going to say, no, I don't believe that preacher man up there and whatever he's saying. But I can tell you what, if inside your heart you feel something, you feel a stirring, you feel like, oh my gosh, I think he's talking directly to me. What is going on? That's the Holy Spirit convicting your heart, saying today is the day to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day we can make that choice to make Jesus the Lord of our life. In verse 25, immediately he rose up. Before him and took what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Amen. The provision and the harvest. Russ, you if you want to come back up. The provision and the harvest. He was healed, and where did he go? Back to his own house. He became the evangelist. He said, Oh my goodness, my sins are forgiven, and I'm physically healed. Are you kidding me? I need to go tell somebody and glorify God. This is what he did. Jesus didn't command him to go in. He just said, you know what? I gotta go. I know some people in my life that don't know Jesus yet. And I have to go tell them. I have to go tell them what you just did for me. And those that were there were all amazed. And they glorified God. And they were filled with fear, saying, we have seen some strange things today. I find it interesting that no one else is on record of being healed that day. No one else was on record being healed that day. When we read it in the beginning, it said the healing power was available to all. But one group of guys took their one friend and sought Jesus. With all that they had, every obstacle that was put in front of them, they still sought Jesus. And they found him. And he radically, radically changed that man's life. With every eye closed and with every head bowed this morning, If you say, Pastor Jason, that it's like you're talking to me today. that You're talking to me. That Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart. Saying, I need to invite Jesus into my boat. I need to invite Jesus into my life. I can no longer do this on my own, I can no longer toil, I can no longer try, I'm wrapped up in my sin and my shame, and I don't want to go on any further, and I want to decide this morning to make a personal commitment and a relationship to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who died for my sins, and I want to make that this morning. If that's you, raise your hand this morning. Raise your hand up high. I want to see your hand. If that's you. You say, today I want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. My Lord and my Savior. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God you've seen those hands that were raised. Father, minister to them now. Bring them peace and joy in your precious name. If you raised your hand this morning, I want you to repeat something after me. Just those that raised their hand, This is a personal deal. This is a personal commitment. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Your word says that the one who comes to me will be no means cast out. So I know that you will not cast me out. But take me in as part of your family. The Bible says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I am calling on your name. And I know that now I am saved. I believe in my heart Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He was raised from the dead for my justification and I confess him now my Lord and Savior I am now the righteousness of God in Christ and I am forgiven and I am saved in Jesus name Amen Amen You may not have raised your hand, but you may have said that prayer for the first time in your life. After church, I invite you to come up here. I want to talk with you. I want to chat with you. I want to celebrate with you. This is a time of rejoicing when someone comes to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. So let me just say a parting prayer for each and every one of us. Just lift your hands up. Let's receive from Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We receive everything that he has for us. We receive forgiveness. We receive our healing. We receive provision. We receive the harvest that you've called us to. Father, lead us on that journey. Put those puzzle pieces together as we rely on you, our cornerstone. And Father, as we go about our week, that you will lead us, you will guide us, you will strengthen us. We invite Jesus into our boat every day of our lives. Be the captain of our ship, be our cornerstone. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have some small group leaders that will be coming up here. If you say, I have a physical need in my body, and what you are saying is resonating with me, I want you to come up here and get prayer for that physical need in your body. These leaders up here, they know how to pray. They understand faith. You can be healed today in the name of Jesus. So don't walk out of here without getting prayer. Amen? Amen. And have a wonderful Sunday. We'll see you all Wednesday night. At least most of you. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org where you may sign up to receive our monthly faith communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today. And always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.